stand together tonight. business down the road a little bit, but we're here on business for the king tonight, and we're just looking forward to what the Lord has in store for us. We have a few written requests. Uh, Sister Ashley is here tonight. Don't know how, but she's uh, got kidney stones once again, and uh, should be at the doctor, but she's at the best place she can be tonight, where the great physician is. So we want to remember her in our prayer tonight. Also, we want to continue to remember our brother Ron in prayer. There's uh, several people sick throughout the church tonight. That we just want to remember them. Also, um, Sister Carol's mom, Sister Margie, has, has had... Uh, I'm sorry, she just had a request that she just like for the church to remember tonight. So uh, I, I was mixing two of them up here. There's um, Brother Pat's brother-in-law, I think that's what he said, right? Uh, Brother Les has, has had hip replacement surgery, and uh, he has done it just with the anesthetic they had for the surgery and no pain medication afterwards. I don't know how, but he's done it. But let's just remember him in our prayers tonight that the Lord will just touch him and give him strength. And also we will remember the remainder of the service tonight that the Lord will be here with us as our pastor continues the series on the family. We're just looking forward to what the Lord has in store. If you have something on your heart tonight, make it known by an uplifted hand. God sees all the needs in the service tonight. Brother Jonathan, come lead us in prayer. People don't realize when you stand back here, you forget everything. So don't laugh until you've been here. So how many is happy to be in church tonight? Amen. Uh, just quick announcements. Sunday is Father's Day. We'll do donuts for dads for all the youth to bring your fathers and bring the fathers of the fellowship hall. We'll have that set up for them. We'll send out a text too, but just a reminder and a, a day to honor our dads and appreciate what they've done for us. So are you ready to have church tonight? How many said I'm free? We got warriors, right? We got up and we've kept fighting. We've been sick, but we kept fighting. 
Ain't no quitters in us. We're going to worship God tonight. So let's just give it all to God and see what God will do for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, we truly love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we look at our lives, Lord, and sometimes we can feel so unworthy. But, Lord, there's something in us that you loved. You chose us before the foundation of the world. And you said, this is my elect lady. Lord, we're proud of the fact that you would look down and you would see us and choose us amongst all the world to love you back. Lord, we come tonight, Lord, with that love to you, Lord. We come to worship you. We come to sing songs of Zion to you. We come to learn of you. Lord, we come to be warriors for your name's sake, Lord, that, Lord, nothing in this world can overcome us, Lord. There's no devil. There's no demon. There's no no power that can come against you, Lord, because you've done conquered it all. Lord, we want to stand as examples tonight, Lord, and we lay these sicknesses down at your, at your altar, Lord, tonight, and Sister Ashley, Lord, and Brother Ron, and Lord, Brother Sister Margie, my, my mother-in-law, Lord, and uh, Brother Pat's brother-in-law, and you see the different ones, you see the hands, Lord, and you see the request, you see each and every one of us, Lord, sickness going through the church, going through the community. But Lord, we ask your protection, we ask your healing. We ask you to give us a supernatural charge tonight, Lord. We ask you to come into this service now, Lord. And, Lord, you take preeminence, Lord. You walk up and down every aisle, Lord. You walk up and down every heart. Touch by the mark and the musicians. Lead us in a path of worship, Lord. And touch our pastors. He would come, Lord. And, Lord, continually, Lord, guiding us and teaching us in the ways that we should go, Lord. Be with us in every move. Lord, we love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Come worship with us. In your lovely name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We ought to be so happy that the Lord has made a way for us to be here tonight. One more time that we can just worship him in spirit and in truth. Good to have our brothers and sisters here. God bless you. Good to have you with us tonight. Amen. Let's sing this. Keep me Oh, I have found His grace is all complete, and He supplied every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am.
here tonight. We're working on this old building. Amen. And make it better for the Lord. You can have your seats. We'll have our ushers to come and receive the evening offering. You just give to the Lord, and I know he'll bless every effort tonight. Let's sing this chorus, I think. Well, it's not in trying, but in trusting. It's not in running, but in so much truth in it we just keep trying but we just keep getting in the way we just need to let the Lord have full control of every situation in our lives we'd be a lot better off tonight we have a few birthdays this week yesterday in fact sister Michaela celebrated her birthday we want to wish her a very special happy birthday tonight and tomorrow brother Willie Scales is going to be celebrating his birthday we wish him a happy birthday and then on Friday, my son, Brother Kobe, is going to be celebrating his birthday. He said to tell you he's 25 and holding. So. <laughs> that holding part's what's important, isn't it? Amen. So we wish all of them a happy birthday tonight. Let's give them a hand if you will. <laughs> my daughter's going to kill me, but I'm going to have Carrie and Matt to come help me. We're going to sing that song we sang for you a few weeks ago. Hopefully it'll be a blessing to you tonight. a mountain that I've never faced before that's why I'm calling on you Lord oh and I know it's been a while but Lord please hear my prayer I need Never have before. Help us sing it if you know it. 
Sometimes it takes a mountain. Oh, sometimes the troubles seem. Sometimes it takes a
So that I can make it, Lord. That's what I want tonight. Amen. Whatever. Let's stand together as we invite our pastor to deliver what the Lord is laying on his heart for us tonight. tonight let's sing it
good evening to you is that your desire is this evening to be more like Jesus. You know, when we sing that song, it's a lot of commitment. Because to be molded into the image of God implies that there may be some pain. As God makes us pliable to his master plan that he has in his mind of us. Good to be in the house of the Lord with you this evening. Well, they said that there were Bonnaroo going on in Manchester. We're going to have Hallelujah Who. Is that all right here in Murfreesboro? Amen. So some may have been trapped on the freeway or don't know what's going on. I hope they're tuning in. And But we're here tonight. Those that made it, we took the back roads. 24 were kind of a backing up. So if the saints are listening to me, just tune in. Stay with me tonight. We're back in series in our family. Brother Jerry, God bless you. Sister Debbie, God bless you all. So good to have you with us in the house of the Lord. All the way from Edmonton, Canada. God bless you here, sis. Appreciate you. Amen. What a surprise. What a surprise. My, I thought my eyes were deceiving me there for a moment. Welcome. Amen. Passing through the area. You done me wrong. You done me wrong, son. You should let me know. <laughs> you know who had been preaching tonight. Amen. We love you. Welcome amongst us. Appreciate the Lord. Some may be dragging in a little bit here. So let's go back in the series tonight. Appreciate the uh, musicians, the song. Sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes it takes a troubled sea. God knows how to get a hold of us tonight. We're back in serious family. Part 13, and, and tonight, Proverbs chapter 11, verses 29, I'm going to take two verses, dealing with conflict and family, part two, and we are going to take this, uh, this subject matter and break it down into three sessions, cause of conflict, cure for conflict, and the applications of how to avoid conflict. Everybody say conflict. It's part of life. Is what happened when you were born. There was a war that started. That's why we're here tonight. And in the book of Proverbs chapter 11 verses 29. Scripture says. He that troubleth his own house. Shall inherit the wind. And the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. Very profound words. He that troubled at his own house. We'll break that down just momentarily. And if you would go back now into James. James chapter 4 and verse 1. So James is picking this up now. He's dealing with the reality of life. In verse 1 he says, From whence come wars and fightings amongst you? Or among you. He's speaking now the word here. Fightings is the indication of to be combative, variance, disputant. It is to do with a different element than just a natural physical warfare 
but more so mentally beyond what the natural eyes can see there's something else that's going on that only you know about as a Christian as a person as an individual from whence come wars and fightings among you come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members this word in this passage here tonight and we're going to look at it through uh, verses 10 and just break each uh, verse down to you tonight but in this context of scriptures here tonight the word lust is not used in the sense of sexuality or sensual lust but more in the sense of covet of those who seek things forbidden first thing that comes to our mind when we see the word or hear the word lust is we associate that word with sensuality and it will lead to that but what James is actually speaking of here tonight in this scripture is is beyond that thing that we we all dread to deal with but it's deeper than just the flesh itself. It goes beyond just the skin. It moves into the soul and into the spirit realms of all humankinds. And I want to break this down tonight by the grace of God. Dealing with conflict in a family. This is part one. And we'll just see how the Lord will lead us tonight. How many has got a need tonight? Praise the Lord. God sees your hands. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father would deem it a privilege to be back into the house of the Lord tonight. As Lord, we have been uh, going service after service now, just dealing on the family on Wednesday nights and just putting things into perspectives, realizing, Lord, that we know that our soul has been redeemed. We're only now waiting for the redemption of our bodies. As Paul spoke of it there in Romans, to win the redemption of our bodies. And Lord, I believe that the soul has been redeemed. There's a restoration that's taking place there. And I somehow, by your grace, I believe that the word will influence this flesh that we're in. And some morning between six and nine, there'll be a rapture. And while we're caught in this pest house, trapped in this body of flesh, we deal with so many different various things in our lives. Whether it be on the job or business or with family or even ourselves, we're struggling sometimes to just keep up uh, in this flesh, in this body. But I pray tonight that you will come and help us, Lord. Break the bread of life to us. Quicken us. Inspire us. As David said, quicken thou me. Give me Zoe life. Strengthen us, Lord. You see the hands that were raised. We ask that you are blessed. The needs of each and every one of the saints, Lord, will lift in the hands. Pray your anointing and presence will be amongst us now in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the church says, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Come on in. In a message in 1956, uh, Brother Bram said at Kiddish Barney, he said, Family here about to be broke up. You argue and fuss with one another, and you know you oughtn't to do it. Now, I'm just going to come the way of the prophet and then move right into the scripture this morning. 
Just to be plain, Brother Branham was just a man that was very realistic. He, he spoke of things that he saw. He did not use fancy words. But he just go, went right straight to uh, whatever he was dealing with before him. But in his own words, he said, family, you're about to be broke up. You argue and fuss with one another. and You know you oughtn't to do it. Not in 63, June, is your life worthy of the gospel? He says, don't fuss with others. Don't have these family fusses. As I said, love breeds love and temper breeds temper. Now, I just want to set the tone and just give you a little bit of a backdrop of the directions that we'll be going uh, tonight. Now, we understand the life of family leadership is filled with challenges and, and, and crisis. As Christian family, we should be able to navigate successfully through difficult and challenging times. However, it doesn't always happen that way. Simply because that we are Christians tonight does not make us immune from dispute, uh, having a variance and combative personalities. Some of these things were actually ingrained into us at the time of our births. Now, our, our, our new births, uh, it changes our nature. However, there are some elements of things that remain in our flesh that we are working towards overcoming every day in our lives. So we should know how to stand firm when facing critical situations. As Christians, a lot more is required of us as people of God because uh, we, we are to be an example, a model, a, a change in life, in our society, in our neighborhood, in our church, in our, in our economy that we dwell. There should be a, a sort of level of advancement in our lives versus the average person. Now, we know family leadership ability can be tested when uh, negative circumstances prevail uh, in our lives. We see as a family, we usually show our true ability and skills when under pressure. The real person comes out when we are under pressure. Whether it's a marital problem, it's a spiritual problem, it's a financial problem, or it's a social problem. Uh, somehow problems have a way of surfacing our abilities that is built within us. Now these things are not just there automatically. They are character that we build that is built within us as life gives us a, a test. We know that all family uh, tonight can run the risk of experiencing uh, the devastating effects of disagreement, discord, and uh, conflicts. Now we understand that conflict in a family has been a, a problem since the beginning of a family. Conflict is a problem a family has had to deal with down through the ages of time. From the beginning of creation 
after the fall, Genesis chapter 3, we notice that then man began to move into the second covenant, not by spoken word power, but by the fall. And with this comes a lot of fallen nature that is still within man. You see, people often wonder, why is it that I can't get along with those in the family? Why is it that we have so much heated arguments? You can say amen tonight. Why is there so much contention, strife, and divisions in my family? Well, James is going to answer those questions for us tonight. You have your Bibles. Just keep it on your lap tonight. In this passage on how to conquer conflicts, he gives us both the cause and the cures The reason for conflict and the remedy for conflict. The who, the why, and the how. Now we're not here tonight to identify specifically the who, but to address the cause of conflicts tonight. Because the cause of conflicts uh, does not solely rest upon just one party in a family. But it takes two to have a fight. When you pick up a coin, it has two sides. And so it is in the elements of family. There's always a dark side, a shadow side. There's always a positive and a negative. There's two sides to anything that we look at. It doesn't matter how thin you slice it. There's two sides to it. Who's the cause of conflicts? Why are we having conflicts? And how do we resolve conflict? James is going to set us straight on the cause and cure of conflict in family. Turn back now to James chapter 4. Now we understand that the very first of this message, I want you to think of the person or persons that causes the most conflict In your life, in your family. Don't say the name. I want you to hold that on the forefront of your mind for the duration of this message. Because I'm going to show to you in just a little while that that person, that persons, whomever it is that you know that you have a conflict with really is not the problem. Hopefully after tonight we explore the scripture, you will begin to see that that person you hold as a victim and in bondage, in prison, that that person actually is not the problem. And that we would need to release such a person from the bondage that we have kept them under. Now James tells us that there are three areas of conflict within our lives. Conflicts with others, conflicts with ourselves, and conflicts with God. In Galatians 5 and 17, uh, Paul would tell us that for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, these are contrary one to the other, so he cannot do the things uh, that he would. Peter would tell us, 
in 1 Peter 2 and 11, dearly, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Now, he's not speaking about sensuality here. He's dealing on a different level of lust in, this, in these passages. We have conflict with others because we have a conflict going on on the inside of us. If we are going to resolve problems, we first have to resolve ourselves. For a problem to be resolved, the resolution starts with the person that identifies and highlights the problem. And nine times out of ten, the person that complains about the problem is the problem. So he's telling us now we have conflict with others because we have a conflict going on on the inside of us. Now, I know he didn't come here for me to tell you that tonight. He didn't want to hear that tonight. That uh, the problems we have and the conflict we have uh, starts with uh, us, within us. And we have a conflict in our personal lives because we have a conflict with God. If we have a problem and conflict going on with others, it's simply because that we have a conflict going on inside of us. And we, when we have a conflict in our personal lives, it's because that we have now the conflict moves from us within us to others. And then consequently, it goes up vertically to Almighty God. The problem does not stop just with us. It doesn't stop with just the other person. We then begin to seek opportunities to blame this conflict on certain things. Are you with me now? You will see this as we proceed through the message tonight. First, I want to deal with the causes of conflicts. James 1 and 4 and 1. He goes into it now. He said, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts and war in your members? In other words, what causes fights in quarrels amongst you. Don't they come from your desire that battles within you? You see, he's speaking about this desire, this lust that comes from within us to, to uh, that, that, that causes a desire and a crave. And if that desire and crave is not harnessed by the Holy Spirit, it becomes then a conflict. You see, as we notice now that James doesn't beat around the bush, he gets right to the point. James says that the cause of conflict is conflicting desires. What causes conflict around us are conflicting desires. When our desires are not in the right perspective, it creates conflicts amongst us. Uh, when my want conflict with your wants, it sparks and the, the flames begin to uh, fly. When, when, uh, when, our, when our conflicts, when our wants begin a conflict uh, with one another's wants, the sparks are going to fly tonight. 
You see, what I'm saying is we have to understand that conflict within family hinges back on this subject I'm speaking of tonight. As James is saying here to the church that it is a desire. It could be a perverted desire, a selfish desire, a desire with the wrong motive. And when it is carried out, it inflicts conflicts in families. So we notice now that conflict starts early in life, even before you could talk. And have you noticed that a baby, if their needs are not uh, uh, instantly gratified, they let you know. And you can argue if you don't, you know, you can argue if you, even if you can't talk, you can argue. I, 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 even as a child, they know how to get your attention. You, you can argue without even talking. So we understand now that marriage has built in conditions for conflicts. All the married people say amen. amen. Marriage has built in conditions for conflicts. If you don't want any conflict, uh, you should have never got married. Because built into marriage is that, is that element of conflicts. If you want to be a peacemaker, if you just want to be a loner, if you don't want to have any problem, any fights, any quarrel, any dispute, any variance, uh, any combative uh, uh, confrontation, then uh, blow yourself off to Mars and do us all a favor so we can live in peace. Think about the things you expected from your spouse before you got married. How idealistic and unrealistic you were about marriage. Everybody say amen. Amen. And what a rude awakening that was the day you woke up. All marriages go through three stages. Stage one, happy honeymoons. Stage two, the party's over. Stage three, let's make a deal. It's all part, of, it's all part of, of what makes up who we are. It all makes up a family. Yeah. And some of you, that's very realistic tonight. It's true. It's true what I'm, what I'm speaking of tonight. It's a reality. At stage three, you have to learn how to handle conflict because it's going to happen. And there are going to be conflicting desires, frustrated feelings. Uh, causes fights. When a person feels flustered, frustrated, when you feel your adrenaline running and the blood is getting hot in your body, it's, it's a good stage and platform for a good fight. But we understand uh, frustrated feelings will cause uh, fights. And what, what desire, what desire are we talking of tonight? What desires? The Bible makes it very clear here after uh, uh, and other places in the scripture that there are three basic desires we have that cause conflict. These desires are legitimate desires unless you're out of control or they're out of control. They're desires that we can have. We can harness these desires. We can, we, we, sometimes a little selfishness is fine. It has its place. 
and, and, and we, we have different desires, but these desires have to be in their place. So these desires are legitimate desires unless they're out of control tonight. They are God-given desires. But when you put them above others, when they become number one in your life, they will cause conflict. And what are they? What are they? I'm going to give you a few of them tonight. Is that all right? One, the desire to have things. Everybody says things. To have a desire to, to lust after things. This could be materialism. It could be, uh, it could be uh, possession. It could be something that you, that you want. That uh, maybe God has not uh, uh, sanctioned that or, or agreed to you to have this. But yet you have this uh, falsified desire in you to want to have something that you know that it could create a conflict in your family. So the desire to have things, we want to have things. Everybody say things, things. We can go into all the details tonight of things, but things could be a lot of things. It could be that you want something that God doesn't want you to have. It could be in a family where you, you desire to have this, but it's not the fit for the family. It could be a spiritual problem, something within the church, maybe a service without God's will. And God is saying, no, that's not what I call you to. You don't need to do this thing. Look at James 4 and 2 now. Have your Bibles. He said, he lusts and have not, he kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Let me simplify these verses to you. You want what you don't have, you long for what others have. You see, God created things to be used and enjoy, and that's what they're for. We use things and we love people. But you see, the problem is when we start loving things and using people. And that people are those that we live with in our household, in our association, in our business, in our, in our fellowship, our church. It has to be prioritized and put in its proper places. The problem is when we start loving things and using people. That we start loving things and using people. We've got it backwards when we begin to do these things. You see, we've got to understand that family is important. Husband and wives and children. And our family is, is valuable, especially in the society that we're living in. Look at what the world is trying to do. Destroy family to the very core. To the place to where they cannot even reproduce a family in their marriage. Satan's ambition is to destroy the family at anything and in any way he can do it. You believe that? When we start loving things and using people, we start manipulating them, controlling them, moving them around to get what we want because things become more important in our lives. I'm talking about how do we deal the cause of conflict in our family. 
These are things that sometimes we don't think of. We think, oh, the problem is, is her. It's, it's him. It's, uh, they say this and they said that. But uh, I'm speaking about your desire that uh, James is speaking of tonight. Notice the desire to have becomes number one in our lives. And that creates conflicts. Is that right? Things become a battleground now. Things that we're wanting that maybe it's not done legally in a rightful way, in a prayerful way, now becomes a battleground. And then it creates uh, conflicts. We become combative with those that are in our surroundings. And we've learned to deal with these desires. When we do tonight, we've got to learn to deal uh, with the desires we have. We've got to learn to uh, filter the desires we have. We have to learn to, uh, to master the desires we have. Because our desires create conflicts. If it's not in the right way, it creates conflicts. What I want what she have, or I want to do the same thing that you're doing. Well, maybe that's not what God has desired for you. Therefore, our desires have got to be harnessed. We've got to learn to deal with the desires we have. Because we understand that our desire control our surrounding. If we are married, if we have children, if we are in the brotherhood, the brethren in the church, then we've got to understand that our desires must sink together. Amen. Jesus Christ is the ultimate. And every one of our desires, uh, when the day is over, ought to be lifting him up. And that he is first in everything in our lives. Number two, the desire to feel good. This, this is one that gets us all in trouble. The desire to feel good. I'm talking about what Paul is talking about, what creates the cause of conflicts. The desire to feel good. I want to feel good. I want to be comfortable. I want to have my senses satisfied. Well, then look with me in James 4 and 3. He says, he asked and received not because he asked a mist that he may consume it upon your lust. In other words, you want only what will give you pleasure. You only want what will give you pleasure. It's how I'm satisfied. It's all about me. It's how I feel. Everything is about me. My desire to feel good. I'll tell you this. If you're a husband, if you're, if you're a family man, you're a leader of your home, you're going to have to understand that oftentimes you have to forfeit good feelings. To make things happen. You have to forfeit good things. And give up a lot of good things. Because when you're a Christian. You lose. You lose the ability to be selfish. And self-centered. 
Narcissism has become a popular thing in our society, but we're starting to see it creep into the churches. Is that right, friends? And we're starting to see the church taking on the mentality of what the world is doing now. But I believe as Christians, we are to rise higher than what the world is saying and the standards that they are setting. So he said, he asked and received not because he asked a mist that he may consume it upon your lust. You want only what will give you pleasure. You see, God made everything for our enjoyment. But when pleasure becomes the number one goal in your life, if it feels good, do it. You're asking for conflict. If it's all about how it makes me feel, you're asking for conflicts. Because then you're going to become numb and inconsiderate to everybody's desire, feelings around you. You now become consumed with but my desire to, Paul says it right there, that he may consume it upon your lust. That you may consume this upon your lust. This feel good thing, how it makes me feel good. You can see, friends, there are so many areas. This is why I'm going to give three sessions on this. A lot of material to break this down to you to show you what really causes these, 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 these conflicts within family. And we blame a lot of things. We sometimes just identify the problem, but the problem is deeper. We have to go to the root of the problem. We can't just surface the problem, put a band-aid. It's not going to resolve the problem. The problems are deeper. They're deeper rooted. You see, when my pleasure takes the place over what is needful, then we're in trouble. We're in deep trouble then. The fact is, I'm more interested in my comfort than I am in yours. And all I think about is what makes me feel good. You see, that's the flippant attitude of the churches. That's the flippant attitude of message people in the church. It's how I feel. It's all about me. It's not about us. It's about him. It's what he says in his word tonight. You believe it? The desire to feel good creates conflicts. It does. Because all we think about is to consume. As Paul will put it here now. Uh, at James rather in verse 3. That he may consume it upon your lust. He ask and receive not because he ask amiss. That he may consume it upon your lust. In other words, you're asking for something because you've got another agenda. You've got another motive than what God desires for you to have tonight. And bear with me, I'm just te- teaching tonight. And, and, and friends, I tell you, this subject is vast, it's endless. As I look around at suffering families and the message, the letters that comes into my office on a daily basis, staggering uh, of people who are struggling uh, with family matters and issues, uh, we send a message. We're, we're not isolated. We're not immune from these problems. We can't just cover it under saying, well, I believe the message, and that's all I need to know. That's true. But there's some other things you need to know, too. Are you with me? 
You need to know that sometimes the rubber meets the road around your house. And you need to uh, understand there are problems that you're going to have to deal with. You can't sweep it under the rug. For the desire to feel good creates uh, conflict. And we, we, we somehow, you know, we got this idea that the more I, I have, the better I feel. And this feeling, however, will only last for a while. The more I get, the better I feel. That's the mentality of the world. That's the, that's the, that, that's the message that Satan uh, is sending to the world today. It's the spirit of Laosia. Materialism and want and things. And then it goes beyond just that. It comes into, uh, into the, the phase of personalities and desire to be number one or to be the spotlight or to be the main person. It creates problems within the family and the church family. I want to say this to you tonight. As I move into the next phase, what feels good is only temporary. Can I say that again? What feels good is only temporary. Anything that feels good in this flesh, in this life, in your spirit, in your conscience, imagination, memory, in those realms, the inlets into your body, your senses, is only temporary. See, saints, the good feelings you had is now quickly fading and is being replaced by another feelings. And this is how Satan drives us, by feelings. I'm speaking about the things that cause us conflicts within our families. Number three, the desire to be first and always right. Now, who in the world wants to be wrong? That would be a very idiotic question to ask. How, how many like to be wrong? Nobody wants to be wrong. Everybody wants to be right. But at some point, somebody's got to be wrong. To fix the right, somebody has got to be wrong. Put it on your refrigerator. To fix the right, somebody's got to be wrong. Look at it again. Stare it. Look at it. To be right, somebody's got to be wrong. But you must choose who that wrong one is. Come on now. And I tell you, if you don't look too far, you might find who it is. It's a desire for me first. Me first. I have, to, I have to be first. The desire to be first and always right. I'm talking about what causes problems. Think about it realistically. You're having some, some problems in your family or in your, on your job or whatever it is in your church uh, tonight. I'm, 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 I'm giving you the cause of conflicts. The desire to be right. To be first. We're living in a world where People are all wrapped up in themselves. It's all about me. The world created selfies and everything else. 
The whole world is focused. That Satan's desire now being extended into humanity. To be selfish, to be all about me, not to be like others is so contrary to what Jesus actually taught us. To prefer our brother to have the second greatest commandment to love our neighbors. Come on, church. But yet the world paints a different picture. It's all about me. All the influencers on social media. It's I, me, selfie, look at me. People don't even know what the word conceited means anymore. You know, back in our days in the 80s when someone accused you of being conceited, it was a shameful thing. It was not a compliment. Is that correct? You find a guy that was conceited or a girl that was conceited. And nine times out of ten, you try to shy away from that type of personality. Because they're stuck on themselves. You remember that face? You remember back in the 80s we were saying, man, she's stuck on herself. He's stuck on himself. Get away from that character. But the mentality of the world today is to, uh, is to succumb to uh, that that. That, that me thing, me first. They have t-shirts. They create all kinds of merchandise through the commercial world. It's all about me. I, I have to be number one. You see, that's the mentality of Satan that has crept into our churches. And as pastors, Brother Jerry, we're dealing with these things because we are not, we are not immune from the world. But as pastors, as ministers, we have to identify the problem. Is that right? And bring a solution. Look at the world today. Everything. We see the same mentality in the churches. Recognition has become uh, the number one thing. Never mind humility. It's all about recognition. They must have the recognition and the pat on the back. You said we do something for God and nobody knows who did it. Now we've got to be recognized. If we're not recognized, we get an email. I'm leaving this church because nobody appreciates what I do. Well, what do you want me to do? Get up and give you your rose right now. Come on, church. I've actually had people have done that to me. I just don't feel like I'm appreciated. What did the Bible say? Don't let your, let your left hand know what your right hand does. But the mentality of the world is recognition. You've got the wrong motive. I'm going to preach tonight. I'm just going to take my time. I came to the house of God to lay a lesson in here to you as a church. We're dealing with a family. This is all family talk tonight. Is this all right? But it's about recognition. Things aren't done unless there's recognition. And it's trickled out into the family. If the husband isn't recognized, the wife isn't recognized, then you know what? I'm going to quit doing for this family. Let me tell you something. In the mentality we went into marriage over is it doesn't matter. Somebody say thank you. Uh, it feels good when the wife says, I love you and appreciate what you're doing. But we, we came out of that mold where we are workers. I mean, we were workers. We still are. We have this back, just Deanna and I. You know, she do one thing, I'm doing the other thing. We can read each other's mind. 
But this lazy, good-for-nothing society that we're in is embedding these, uh, these flaws into families. It's all about, I'm doing this because uh, I've got to be praised or recognized. And friends, that's the wrong mentality to walk through life with. Look at Proverbs 13 and verse 10. The Bible says, only by pride come at contention. Pride leads to arguments. That's so simple. Only by pride comes contention. Why? I'm too proud to compromise that causes conflicts. Are you with me now? I'm too proud to compromise and that causes conflict. And I'm not talking about compromising on God's word, but there is a law that comes into view when you get married. And that is a law of compromise. There's times you have to learn how to compromise. Because being hard-headed and bold-headed about certain things doesn't get you anywhere. Same in your spiritual walk with Almighty God. You believe it? You see, we don't want to give in. Have you ever been in an argument where you knew you were wrong, but you wouldn't admit it? Don't raise your hand. Why? Because of pride. Pride causes arguments. This is the bottom line of all these things. Pride. Let's say together, pride. What caused the fall? Listen for falling out of heaven, pride. What caused it? Caused the angelic war? Pride. And do you think that Satan has stopped? No. He's executing that same ambition in humanity today. But as Christians filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the answer by Holy Spirit teachings. You believe it? You see, the next time you're in an argument, stop and ask, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is this really worth it? Sometimes you have to choose your fights. I'm going to get in some solutions in just a little while. But you have to choose your fights. It doesn't mean that you're less of a man. You're less of a wife. You're less of a Christian. It means that sometimes you just have to lose your pride and your dignity and say, you know what? I'm wrong. I'm wrong. You're right. Use some reverse psychology. And then suddenly the other party is going to start fessing up that they are the culprit. I want to make a transition. Notice that unfulfilled desire causes conflicts. Why do my desire go unfulfilled? James gives us the, the answer in, um, in verses uh, 2 and 3. I sort of abbreviate the scripture, compact it together uh, for you tonight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Here James tells us uh, two reasons why our desires aren't fulfilled. James 4 and 2. He had not because he asked not. We do not ask God, and if we don't ask God, God cannot answer a prayer that has not been prayed. Are you with me now? 
God cannot answer a prayer that's not been prayed. You see, before we call, he will answer. But there's got to be something to set it into motion. I'm getting somewhere. Just bear with me tonight. Why, why, why don't we pray and ask God for help? We are self-sufficient. Stay with me now. We are self-sufficient. But we don't consider that. He said, James said it right here. This is why we're having problems, conflicts. Now it's trickling down to, we went from, from ourselves to others. We're coming down to where we're starting to reflect back on God. He said, he had not because he asked not. And why don't we pray and ask God for help? Because we are self-sufficient. We're ultimately telling God, I don't need you. I'm the, I'm the God of my own problems. And the Lord over my own destiny. I can handle this problem. I, I don't have to pray uh, to you. But yet God is saying in this passage, that's dealing with family conflict. If you just ask me, I'm going to help you. Nine times out of ten, he's the last person that we consult with. We call Tom, Dick, and Harry, and everybody else on social media, and we forget to come to God, the ultimate resource that can give us the answers. Bottom line is we look for the wrong source. We look to the wrong sources. We look to the people to fulfill our needs instead of looking to God. And I'm just letting it soak in tonight. We look to the wrong source. We, 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 we want to go horizontal instead of going vertical. We want to relate our problems in this direction instead of taking it up before the Lord Jesus. Are you staying with me now? You understand now that he says, I'll meet your needs. Just pray. This is what God is saying. And when we do pray, we usually pray with the wrong motives. We ask things in a selfish way. And the Bible said that everything I need, God has promised to provide. He'll meet my desires to have, to be, to feel. Not just luxury, but all my needs. You believe it? Turn to Philippians uh, 4, 19 quickly. He said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If we'll ask in prayer, I believe that God will answer. If we'll ask in prayer, but we'll rather fight than pray. Is that correct? If we'll ask in prayer, but we'll rather fight than pray. We fight ourselves, we fight others, and we fight God. Have you ever had a fight with God? You remember the message I preached here some years back? Having a fight with God. Yeah, we do. We fight with God. We have a wrestling match with God. But God is just simply saying in this scripture, in James 4 and 2, I'm talking about conflicts and the cause of conflicts and family. He said, we have not because we ask not. We'd rather argue about something than go look to the Lord for the answer. And when we're in the middle of a conflict, the last thing on our mind is prayer. 
But yet God is saying ultimately, if you'll just move me to the central part of your mind, then all things are going to be right. Friends, what you pray about it? We talk to everything else, everybody else we consult. God is always the last resource for our problems. Because it just seems so small. It just seems so simple. It just doesn't, it's not the answer I'm looking for you to tell me how to resolve conflict and family. It's to pray. That is just too simple. But you know, God will just make it so to where it's just this big complicated thing to where you got to take a trip to Mexico and then you got to go with a canoe from this place down to a certain canal and you end up down in Central America somewhere. And if you'll do all these things, at the end of it, you'll find a big pot of gold and behold, all your conflicts are resolved. You'll be surprised how many people will pawn their house, their land, who knows even their spouses to resolve such problems. But yet God is simply telling us it's not in trying, but in trusting. Brother Mark sang it tonight. Are you with me? So we understand that we're thinking about that, that James says that's the problem. That we, we somehow, when we in the middle of the conflict, the last one on our mind, and the last thing is prayer. And, and James saying that's, that's the wrong, that's the, that's the problem right there. That's part of the conflict that we have in, 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 in our family right there is because somehow we, we have not allowed God to come upon our minds to resolve certain issues. Because I promise you, if you're praying about a conflict and you really sincerely have got the, the right motive uh, of that conflict, you will resolve yourself. And when you become resolved, you will resolve everything else around you. Are you staying with me? We look to others instead of looking to God. And that causes conflicts. We don't think we need God. We come to a place to where God, I don't really need you. I can, I can resolve this. I, I, I want to keep this conflict. I want to resolve this. I have to have my feelings resolved. I have to feel satisfied before I let go of this problem. That's the fallen nature. The fallen nature within us, this is what Paul is saying here, that there's a war, or, or James is saying here in, in James 4, that there's a, there's a fight, there's a war. That's, he used the word war that's taking place right there. You sometimes are going to have to wrestle with your own self as Jacob wrestled with the angel and overcome that person. Are you following me tonight? So notice now, I really thought tonight, I really thought that as we came down this avenue, I, I, began to, I began to look at my own self and think, Lord God, how many, how many problems I could have resolved if I'd only look at my own self? How, how much further up the road I could have been if I had just resolved my own self? If I just look within me to see what is going on. You understand, friends, when you begin to harbor conflict towards another person, it builds up certain, certain uh, venom inside of you. It literally creates uh, 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 acids within your bodies. 
The waste that should be um, excreted from your body are now trapped within your body. It causes ulcer. It causes mind problems. It creates a problem in your nervous system when you begin to uh, keep those things within you. Is that right, Sister Amber? We got a nurse right here tonight, registered nurse. That is the truth. Amen. You go to the doctor and they can't find what's wrong with you. You know why? Because that devil done crept up into your nervous system and they can't find it. This is why Brother Branham, under discernment, he said you might could have hide from the doctor's knife, but you can't hide from God. And as Christians, we can see these things tonight, how they bring us to a place of, of enslavement. We're entrapped. We're enslaved to our own self. It's not the other person that's the problem. We have to look at ourselves. The slave is us. We're the one that's carrying the venom, the poison. And if we're not careful, we're going to poison everything that's around us. Listen, friends, when you're holding poison within you, it's not just you that's dying. It's everything that's around you that will die. Are you with me now? James said, we'd have a lot more peace if we just prayed more. It's ultimately what he's saying. We, we, we'll have a lot more peace if we'll pray more. I've been, last week, we, we, we dealt with uh, warfare prayers. Amen. I'm bringing it down. I'm close in just a moment. I just want to leave you with this. We'll have a lot less problems if we'll just pray more. Who's the best person to talk this conflict over with but Jesus? Hallelujah. Who's the best one that will understand everything the Bible says? He knows everything about us. At one glance, he can see everything about everything about us. The past, the present, the future. At one glance. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. You believe it? He's omnipotent tonight. We only see as our eyes will allow us. But when God looks, he sees it all. Hallelujah. Aren't you happy about it tonight? So James says we had a lot more peace if we just prayed. We have, we have a lot less to worry about. A lot less to argue about. A lot less to fight over if we'll just pray more. And the old song says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Can I have a few more minutes? We pray with the wrong motives. Look at James 4 and 3 now. He asked and received not because he asked a mist that he may consume it upon your lust. And the argument may be tonight, Brother Joseph, I have prayed, but to no avail. James give us the solution here tonight. You know what he says? Check your motive. Just check your motive. So I pray, why didn't God answer it? Check your motive. You see, there are times that we pray, but we pray with the wrong motive. And James said, as you ask amiss, wrong motive. 
The word amiska here in the Greek means to be sick or diseased. To ask amiss is to ask God for something with a sick or diseased attitude or motive. That's what he's saying. Check your motive. Is it a sick motive? Is it a sick request? Why are you asking this? What is, the, what is the ultimate motive behind all of this that you're asking God? Well, God, I want to have this, and I want to have that, and I want to have the other. Why? That's all God asks you. It's not that God will not give it to you. He just needs an answer from you. Why? Oftentimes, we do not stop to think about the why. All we think about is us, me, I. Let me say this, God is, is he's very, uh, and I don't want you to leave here with the wrong mentality uh, and, and, and just uh, see just one side of the message today, but I want you to understand that God is concerned about our uh, legitimate needs and desires and has promised to meet those needs. How many believes that? But if we ask God for something of the wrong reason or the wrong motive uh, or in a sick disease attitude. God cannot and will not answer the prayer. He is prayer will be no. Simply. This is what the answer will be. No. And that's hard to take from God. When we pay our tithes, when we go to church, when we work hard for our family, when we even work in the church, whether or not you're one of those who want recognition and we do all these things and yet we pray and then God turns around and he says, no. That sort of hurt our feelings, doesn't it? When God tells us no, I've never seen anybody shout in the church and dance in a church over God telling them no over something. Why? Because our flesh, our lust, the lust within our flesh, the desire within our flesh want these things. Friends, what I'm simply talking about today is reality. It's realistic. It's walking through life, understanding God's principles of what He wants and desires for us tonight as Christians. Look at James 4 and 3 again. He said that, he, that you may consume it upon your lusts. The word consume here in the Greek means to squander away or waste. In this context, it means to squander, waste it on one selfish pleasure. And in verse 6, James talked about conflict with God. Notice now that pride can only cause conflict, not only cause conflict with others, but people, but it causes conflict with God itself. You see, friends, let me say this. You know, of all people, I desire for you to prosper and have and to be blessed. And the world has a different mentality than blessed and materialism. And all these things are not blessings. They are just things that God gives to us as a token of his love or whatever it is to us that we desire. But you've got to get your priorities straight with God. When all these things are in place, then God will add to you such as he chooses to bless us. You believe that? I don't demand from God that if you don't bless me, I don't serve you. I know if I serve him, he will bless me. I don't put the blessing ahead of serving. I put my serving and let him add as he sees fit. Look at verses 6 quickly.
Pride not only causes conflict with other people, but it causes conflict with God. Look at verse 6 now. But he, uh, but he given more grace. But he given more grace. Wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You see, God opposes the proud, but give grace to the humble. He declares war on selfishness. This is what he's saying. He declares, he says it right here, and he giveth more grace, wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So he declares war on selfishness. This is what ultimately causes conflict in family. Is that all right? Amen. No one wants to leave here feeling like, well, you know, I'm a selfish person. Well, if you are, repent and say, God, just take every me out of me, amen, and make me more like Jesus. I just want you to empty me out and help me. Have you noticed that God has a unique way of engineering circumstances to pop our pride? He knows how to do it, doesn't he? He's a mastermind how to engineer a certain thing. If you're a child of God, God will humble you. I don't care who you are, what shield you're behind, what mask you're hiding behind. God has a way. Just about the time you think, I've got it together. He puts you in your place if you think you don't need him. Let me close. Let me close by saying this. To be in opposition to God is a dangerous place to be. You're on a collision course and there's nowhere you're going to win. You better get that in your mind tonight. There's nowhere you're going to win. You're in a collision course with God. When you begin to have conflicts with him. We didn't have a rupture relationship with God. James 4 and 4, he says, he adulterers and adulteresses, know he not that the friendship of the world's enmity with God, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world's enmity of God. You see, as the bride of Jesus Christ, we are, we are married. The bride of Jesus Christ is married to him. And when we're having an affair with the world, we are being unfaithful to our heavenly uh, spouse. And this is what he's talking about here, that we are telling him that we are not pleased with him or satisfied with him. Read the scripture again. How many of you know that if you're unfaithful in your, uh, to your husband or your wife, then you're going to have what? Say it with me. Conflicts. He's winding it down now in this passage. He said, he adulterous and adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? God is saying the bride is to be married to Jesus Christ. And she's not to have an affair with the world. He's bringing it home now as a husband and wife. If your wife or your husband have an affair, there's going to be conflicts. So it becomes a rupture relationship now with Almighty God. We're ultimately telling him that we're now satisfied with him. We have committed spiritual adultery within the church and we need God's forgiveness. Can you say amen to that? We have committed spiritual adultery against God and we need his forgiveness. 
Our conflict not only now was caused by ourselves and with others. We're now having conflict with Almighty God. And this is what James is picking up. And that's why he turns around and says, you bunch of adulterers and adulteresses. You have now you have now went outside of this relationship with Christ. You're looking to other gods, other people, man, things, materialism, all these things around you to resolve your problem. But come to me. And I will resolve your problems. Do you love him tonight? Friends, I, I want you to know tonight that this sort of material that I'm dealing with tonight is not light. It's serious, it's serious problems that we're facing. Used to we can blame the denomination. We can point our, our fingers to organization and all those things. But we have problems. We have problems within the church, within our ranks, within brotherhood, within relationships. We have problems. And we are not going to just go outside of the church. We are going to look to God to give us the solution. And I want to tell you tonight and notify you just in case you don't know. This Bible holds the solution. And we have had a prophet that has given us the divine interpretation of the word of God. Maybe some of the things I spoke of tonight. They were not verbatim quotes. But the word has been given to us. You believe it tonight? And I believe that God is going to help us. You believe that? So we have covered the cause of conflict. Next week, we'll look at the cure for conflicts. Let us all stand as a musician comes. Give the Lord a good round of applause tonight. <laughs> Dealing with conflict in family. You know, I, you know that I sent out the blast to the church on the subject that's going to be preached and I've learned that when I do that, uh, some people can read the title of it and uh, suddenly it become convenient to not be at church that night. So I'm not going to send them back out anymore. But you know who I'm talking to tonight. This church has been full. And you know exactly who I'm talking to. You know I'm not beating around the bush. Amen. You ought to be in a church tonight. And I hope you didn't turn me off. You love him tonight. You appreciate the Lord. God loves us. This is why he speaks to us the way he does. Brother Mark, sing a happy song. Get me out of this mess. Lord, I love you. And I want to serve you. You've been so good to me. You've been so good to me, and you've made my every need, and all oh, the grace you've shown, greater love, greater love I've never known, Lord. Say 
Hallelujah. That is the cure uh, to the conflict. And we bring Jesus Christ the center of it all. He knows how to resolve everything around us. By God's grace, one more song quickly, if you don't mind. The Lord is good to us, isn't he? He's gracious to us. He knows just how to come and talk to us. You see, the thing about God is, he's not like us. He doesn't have an ego. He's not trying to impress you. He knows who he is. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's what he wants us to be. That's the way he wants us to operate. It's like, I am who I am. I love what Paul says, I am who I am by the grace of God. And that's how we need to be in him tonight. Let's sing his effort. Well, I'm so glad that I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain and cleansed by his blood. Oh, I singing and all tonight. Brother Jerry, I wonder if you'll come and uh, just uh, dismiss us in a word of prayer. Come on up, my brother. So good to see you. Amen. I'm going to get you next time, though. Get the brothers out there. You see who he is now, right? Next time you see, report to me right away. <laughs> God bless you, Brother Jerry. Appreciate you, buddy. Love you. Amen. Did you greet the saints? And amen. Well, you know, as a pastoral preaching tonight. I mean, I'm just <laughs> thankful that there's other preachers like me that, you know, sometimes Wednesday nights you have to come across pretty strong, but, you know, it's for the body of Christ. Amen. Friends, the thing is, we want to be conformed to his image. Yes. We don't want to just play church. We want to come to church and have church. Yes. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for speaking to us tonight, Lord. I pray you'll give Brother Joseph the strength back. I pray for the church here, Lord, the body church, Father. Father, I, I don't know, but you know all things. And Father, we just want to ask you, Lord, because Father, you're the, you're the healer. You're the one that can touch us. You're the one that can make things right. Father, I pray, Lord, that we just become yielded servants to you, Father. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you'll go with us now, bring us back safely on Sunday, Lord. Watch over us, Lord God. 
I'm so thankful that you love us. And, Father, that we can say we're Christians. Father, we just ask now that you have all these things in your precious name we pray. In the name above every other name. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate that. We love you. Sunday, Father's Day, a very special message for you, daddies. Amen. And you'll get a blessing. I promise you I'm not going to beat you. Okay. I'm going to give you something nice and send you home. Amen. So your wives can get the grill going and cook you a nice steak. Amen. Is that all right? Or I could change it if you want me to. Uh, looking forward to a good time in the Lord. Naomi and uh, Sybil May and Noah are both all three doing well. Thank the Lord. They were all able to come through the night last night like a pro. Hallelujah. She took the baby and just mastered that baby and or no, and just my, 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 I'm so proud of them. So we're just looking forward. The Lord willing, we're going to have a new member this Sunday visiting us. So don't miss that. Amen. This Sunday, the Lord willing, we'll have a dedication. Let's be in prayer for the meetings coming up. August uh, 18, 19, 20 at Brother Tim Pruitt. Be our anniversary meetings. And then also the um, July, end of July, uh, uh, tent revival down in South Carolina. We'll have those information up for you in hotels. I'll be ministering in that uh, convention. So, Lord bless you as you go. Appreciate each and every one of you. Shalom to you as you go. We'll see you back here Sunday morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To all the saints online, shalom until we meet again on Sunday morning. Well, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Turn